mad at me Cause I can finally afford to provide my family with groceries Got a crib with a studio and it's all full of tracks To add to the wall full of plaques Hanging up in the office and back of my house like trophies Welcome everybody to episode 551 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada, and here's what I want to do on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I just want to drop some truth out into the world and to you listeners of the show. First, I want to say thank you to everyone who listens to Canada's Pinball Podcast, because for some of you, you've listened to this show from episode one all the way up to 551. And during that journey, not that I would have used my free time that way, but you guys did. During that journey, you do get to know me, the host, Chris Kaneda, as your go-to pinball podcaster on a weekly basis. Now, you also have other shows that you listen to. I do as well. We love the fact that there's a lot of pinball content creators out there that give us free content on a weekly basis that taps into this hobby that we all love. Now, you might hear my voice is a little sore, it's a little raspy, it's a little drained, and I want to explain why. It was December 24th, and we were getting ready to go home to see my parents and give them their Christmas gifts. And I always love giving back to my parents because they have given so much to me over the years. And so right before we were going down, it was December 24th, Brenda wasn't feeling the best. So I recommended that the both of us go get tested for COVID-19. And I went to the garage and I got my Honda Civic and I'm heading back to the city to pick up Brenda. And she called me crying hysterically that she had tested positive for COVID-19. And so I also got rapid tested. And here's the crazy part. My wife, who I am next to every day, all day long, because we've been quarantining together ever since this whole thing happened, she tested positive and I tested negative for COVID-19. Now, because she tested positive, they told me that I should behave as if I have it because we live together. And so the both of us have been basically quarantining since December 24th. Now, she is doing okay. I mean, we were really, really upset because obviously Brenda is far along in her pregnancy. We did not want to catch COVID-19 with a baby on the way. And I'll say this, we did everything that you're supposed to do to prevent yourself from catching this thing. We barely ever went out. If we ever did eat out, we were always six feet apart. We were always outdoors, but we barely, barely, barely went out and did anything. And even by barely going out, we still caught it. And we have no idea where we got it we have no idea who gave it to us it could have been in the elevator of our building it could have been walking down the street and you touch something it could have been when we had to drop off something at UPS you just don't know you start to sort of go down the chain of all the different things you did and what could have led to it and ultimately all we could do was accept the fact that we have it and we're going to do everything we can to get through it. And luckily, Brenda did not have really severe symptoms. She felt under the weather for a while. She did lose her taste and her smell for a few days, but that has returned. And I was completely fine the the entire time she was experiencing symptoms. And then after she started to feel good, then all of a sudden, this thing just knocked me out for the last like four days. So the last four days, I have just been with aches, with chills, with cold sweats at night, uh, no fever, luckily, no shortness of breath, but it really did kick my ass, and I'm starting to feel a little bit better right now, and I'll, I'll say this, it is real, you can get it, and even when you take precautions, 
there really isn't much you can do because every time you step outside, especially in some place like New York City, it really is just a roll of the dice. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, I might not be doing as many shows over the next couple of weeks as I recover from this thing. I'm not sure how long it's going to take for me to get out of the woods. Unfortunately, it's not the best time because I'm going back to work right now and work is ramping up really quickly after the new year. And I've got to jump in because with a baby on the way, I need to get ahead of as much work as possible because once the baby comes, I'll also be taking some time off for paternity leave. So if you don't know anyone who has COVID-19, now your favorite pinball podcaster, Canada, has COVID-19. And I'm going to preemptively thank all of you for your support as I go through this, okay? Now, now, being in this tired state that I'm in, I just wanted to say a few things that have also been adding to my fatigue and my headaches of late in the pinball world. Having covered pinball for over four years, having been selected three years in a row by you, the fans, as your favorite pinball podcaster, you would think at this point I would have a little respect from the other people that are my peers in the pinball podcasting world. And you know me, I don't do a show about other people's shows. I don't do a show talking about content creators, but for some reason, there just seems to be a never-ending negative slander campaign going on, and I'm just going to say names by the super awesome pinball show who constantly now is putting up negative stuff about Canada on their page. And look, I know what they're doing. I know they want me to bring attention to this. So here you go, Mr. Franchi. You have my attention. And I want to say two things to all of this. If you're man enough to put up negative stuff about me on your Facebook page, that's cool. Now, what's not cool is this. Then he goes and he bans me from his page. So I can't comment or defend myself on his own Facebook page. So that's pretty lame. If you're going to pick a fight, at least stay in the fight a little bit or give someone a chance to like retort you a little bit. But here's the other part. Here's the other part. I would like to officially invite Mr. Christopher Franchi and Mr. Christian Line, either one of them, both of them at the same time, anytime they want to come on my show and let's have a conversation about pinball. I think it would be a cordial conversation. If there's any hatchets we want to bury, let's just get it out in public because I am just getting so tired of this nonstop negativity that he keeps putting out in the pinball world. And he keeps saying he's taking the high road, but I'm here to call you out. You're not taking the high road. I see all the negative stuff you're saying about Canada. People are sharing it with me and you're doing it in a cowardly way. You're doing it on pinball enthusiast page, which you know I can't read. And so why don't we just bury the hatchet you do your show. I appreciate the shows you do. I appreciate the interviews you put out in the world. And I don't talk negatively about your interviews at all. In fact, I always call attention to them. I always give credit where credit's due. But the constant negativity, if that's what you think you need to do to win a Twippy and stoop to that level, it's getting really sad. And I, I invite you on the show to let's air out whatever grievances we have and let's move forward. Because the other part I want to say is this. The reason why people listen to pinball podcasts are for the personalities and all of us out there. And I know almost everyone out there who has a pinball podcast. We all have distinct personalities. We all are distinct individuals. And it's not worth it to tear each other down to just prop yourself up. 
And we're not in this, and I mean this, we're not in this to break the pinball news to the world. For some reason, this has become the main highlight of everything. It's breaking news in pinball. Everybody out there is smart enough to know that there's not a lot of pinball news. There's not. You're not going to get real news out of people when you interview them. They're not going to drop bombshells. They're not going to reveal games before they're ready to reveal games. I mean, that is why people always love listening to Canada speculate about what's next. I mean, yeah, I told people Hot Wheels was Hot Wheels months before they wanted anyone to know that. We broke the news that Oktoberfest was coming out well before they announced it. I broke the news that it was Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle before Spooky wanted to do that. But look, let's forget about all those exclusives that Canada has because it doesn't matter, man. I just, I really wish people would know this. All this news is worthless. It's worthless. This isn't why people listen to Pinball Podcast. They're here to be entertained. They're here to chuckle and to laugh and to actually tune in to someone who even knows a few things about the very hobby they're into. And that's it. That's the only reason why. And the reason why Canada's Pinball Podcast has popular following is because we're not in anyone's back pocket. I can tell you that Led Zeppelin artwork sucks because I don't care to get Greg Ferris on this show. I don't care to get Zombie Eddie on this show. I don't care if Stern's mad at me. I will tell you that Led Zeppelin is one of the most uninspired, lack of creative games I've ever seen, and that band deserved more. Now, if I wanted to get Steve Ritchie on, I couldn't just tell you that. And that's why people vote for Canada. It's not just because of the news. And I think it's great that other shows break news and have exclusives because it does the job for me. Then I just get to give you my commentary on that news. But that's it. That's how it's always been. It's always been this cycle of sometimes you have the news, sometimes you don't. But you don't insult people. You don't try to prop yourself up. I mean, come on. All right, let's get back to talking about pinball. That's the one time a year I'm going to talk about pinball media topics. Maybe it's the COVID in me. Maybe that's one of the side effects and symptoms is you will have a fever, you will have nausea, and you will talk about pinball media even though you don't want to. So let's talk about American Pinball and the interview they did in which they announced that Dennis Nordman and three junior designers were joining AP. Now, on my last show, I was pretty gushing about how this was good news and how this was, he's the new George Gomez of American Pinball. And I've been thinking a little bit about this and I listened to the interview again and I did notice that David came across as pretty smug, a little arrogant, throwing shade on all of the pinball media. Why is this guy coming out of the gate with so much to prove? Like, I have nothing to prove as Canadian Pinball Podcast. Zach Manny has nothing to prove over at the Pinball Show. You know, Poor Man's Pinball Podcast has nothing to prove. Nobody in the pinball media has anything to prove. Why are they coming out of the gates, sort of like throwing shade on the pinball media when the only person or the only company that really has something to prove is American Pinball? They've had three chances to make a great game and they've yet to have any sales success. So this is a good move that Dennis Norman is coming over there and helping them try to steer this ship in the right direction. But I did feel like he was flexing on us, like, right? Like he's flexing on the community. And all of a sudden I was like, is it time to start flexing on us? Have you done anything yet? And the more I think about their strategy of one license and one unlicensed game a year or doing a mix between the two, the more I started to see the cracks in that strategy. 
I just don't think there's any way for American Pinball to successfully launch unlicensed games unless they do one thing. They need to make those unlicensed games limited number runs. Like, I mean like really limited numbers. I mean like only 250 of these are going to be made, maybe 500 at most. But you can't sell six, seven, eight hundred of an unlicensed theme in 2021. Not with what Stern and Jersey Jack and Chicago Gaming and everyone else has coming out. It's just not going to work for them. The other thing I was wondering about is timing. And I've noticed this in the pinball industry is that a lot of companies want to get credit for their intentions. And they want to do somewhat of a victory lap before they've even shown us they can get it done. Now, right now, nobody knows if this new AP team can get it done. People do feel better that Joe Bosser has been pushed aside and Dennis Norman is in the lead designer chair right now. Now, Dennis Norman has been all over the place and he tends to leave before things get finished. But I do think that AP, with their history of manufacturing, is the right home for Dennis Nordman. I think if there's any place where he can have a positive impact, it is at American Pinball. But the question then becomes is, when is Dennis's impact going to be felt? I mean, he's brand new over there. So are they going to bring on junior designers that already have games designed and they're going to make those first? I did hear a rumor that Scott from Riot Pinball was going over there and might be bringing one of his titles with him to be made at American Pinball. Now, I was told by people over at American Pinball that that is not true because I had a post that I put up and they said, take it down. So maybe then we can scratch Scott from Riot Pinball off of the junior designer list because what I had said, and this is Michael Grant over at AP said it's false and to take it down was that Scott was coming out with Legends of Valhalla via American Pinball. But if you remember what Dave said, he said, these are going to be names you know. So who else could it be that's a junior designer that we don't know? I mean, they must be grabbing people that have games ready to go or have games in design because isn't that the best resume to show them what you can do as a designer to show you've designed a game? So I would assume they are going to be poaching three young designers from the homebrew world or from the boutique world that we know of because he said we know these people. But it's just an interesting time to flex. And I see it. I see it with the Pinball Brothers. I've seen it now with American Pinball. Is these companies want to flex before they actually get stuff done. And I don't know why this is the new strategy. And, and you've seen it. They go on a podcast. They talk all about what they're going to do. And then it's like, well, where is it? Meanwhile, Stern and Jersey Jack Pinball, they're putting games in boxes every day and making money. That's the key, right? That is the key. We don't need to hear about a pinball company's intentions at all. All they need to do is put a great game that has a world under glass in a box and then reveal it to the world. And that's the best way to create excitement and hype and get people moving in your direction. And that's the best way to make money. Stern Pinball has this industry down to a science. And if you don't think they do, you're wrong. They know exactly what to do to be successful in pinball. They first and foremost understand that you need themes that people want. They are never going to bother with original themes again. After the failure of Black Knight, I highly doubt we will ever see 
another original title from Stern Pinball. So they grab a theme that people want. They then make three versions of that game and they have one for the collectors, one for the players who want all the features but don't care about collectability, and one for operators that has less in it but will still make money because of the theme. That is the winning formula. It's the formula that Jersey Jack Pinball has now copied with their SE, their LE, and their collector's edition. It's also the same formula that Chicago Gaming Company has now copied. So if you're American Pinball, there's your roadmap. You need to follow this roadmap because it is the one that is proven successful. The other thing you could do, if you don't want to do a three-tiered system, then you just need to do a limited of one version of the game. The same way Spooky said, only 750 Rick and Mortys, and then we're on to the next game. It's still mind-boggling to me right now. They won't announce a limit to Oktoberfest or Houdini. They should have by now said we're only making 500 of each and that's it. They still have both of those titles as unlimited runs. Who thought that was a good idea? So that is one of the changes I hope they make over at American Pinball is they understand that they need to create some sort of FOMO and sense of urgency to buy these games. So American Pinball has decided to flex in early January. So when do you think they're going to show us that game? When is game number four going to come out? Now, they've already said it's one of the games from the junior designers. Okay, so that means it's not a Joe Balser game. So that leads me to believe that game number four, which they originally shelved and they moved on to game five, they shelved Joe Balser's next game because he was still over there uh, after Hot Wheels. So now we're at this point where we expect something big from them. And this is going to be a game that I think is going to have to deliver. Now, I will say this right now. If American Pinball comes out of the gates after all of this flexing and this new team and, and sort of this, you know, that we got Roger Sharp who can get us everything, uh, you know, and then they show us something that's underwhelming, that isn't an amazing theme. I don't know how people are going to respond to that. See, we didn't even talk about that part where they said they were going to only go after licenses if they could get everything. Now, we know for a fact, and Stern Pinball shows us this with almost every release, it is really difficult to get some of these grade A licenses and get every single asset you want to get the theme song, to get the actors, to get the likenesses, to get the clips, to get everything you want is not easy. But now they've said they've got Roger Sharp who's going to accomplish that for them. Okay, so we'll see if that happens. It's more than just theme and theme integration and assets. People want everything together. So after all of this talk about how when they get a license, they're going to get everything, if they come out of the gate with like an unlicensed theme, like if they come out with something like Legends of Valhalla, like that's not going to be what people are expecting after this flex. So we'll see what happens. We'll see when it happens. But I also question the timing. If I were them, I wouldn't even have come out yet. I wouldn't even have spoken yet. Why not come out with your new AP? You're the new American pinball. Why not show you're the new American pinball with a game? All we're doing here is we're talking with hyperbole. We're talking about intentions. I'm so tired of pinball companies trying to get credit for their intentions. Your intentions don't count. What counts are games in boxes. What counts are finished products people can buy. That is really the only point in which you should reveal yourself to the world. Otherwise, be busy making those games. 
you think one of the strategies is to try to get people to hold their money back to see what's going to come from Dennis Norman and company? I don't think anyone's going to do that. I mean, why would you? You don't have any idea of when. It's not like they said, oh, this March, the new American pinball will be revealed with a new title. No, we don't know when. You know, by March, hopefully all the Deep Root guys are finally getting to see the assembly line because have you been in that thread the last few days? It's amazing to me now that the deadline is up. Now that there is no more orders being taken on Raza, now that Hilton's been banned from Pinside again, it seems like, for life, now that there's nothing left to talk about other than when games will be made, it's really interesting going into that thread. Now, I will say this. I want to thank you guys out there who have calmed down and understood that there's no point in just beating these buyers up every day. But they are also starting to realize something right now. Why aren't they being shown anything? I want you to think about something. What did the Pinball Brothers start to show people before they opened up the order banks for the new Alien game? What did they show people? They showed people parts. They showed people play fields. They showed people the inventory they had, which made people feel confident that this thing was real because we know there's a sequence to events that has to happen before you get a pinball machine. And the first thing that needs to happen, well, obviously you need to design the game and all that, but before you get your game, the parts have to be made, the parts have to be shipped to the factory, and then the factory has to assemble that game for you. So showing people all of those alien playfields lined up made people feel good. Showing people all those face huggers made people feel good. Showing people all of the pop bumpers and everything they showed made people feel good. Now, if you're just a few weeks away from Raza, right? If you're just a few weeks away from this game hitting the line, Surely there are parts already in-house. Surely some of these specialized parts, even just the pin bars, even if you just saw, I think this would make people feel amazingly good, even if you just saw an entire table filled with pin bars, wouldn't that make the Raza owners feel confident that this thing is happening in a timely manner? They're not seeing anything. So here's what I do think is going to happen. I think after a few weeks of seeing nothing, if they don't get anything, these owners are going to start to get really anxious. And you're already starting to see some of them say like, well, I'm willing to wait to June. I'm willing to wait to July. Why are they already giving a pass to the time frame that Deep Root told them about? Deep Root said the following, usually four to six weeks is what it takes between order banks opening and games shipping, and we expect to be within that same time frame. So four to six weeks. It's going to be a very interesting four to six weeks to see what happens. I do think Deep Root should show people some stuff. Now you have customers. Now you have buyers. You have people now who are going to lose sleep unless they feel confident about this. Now, again, this is why I would not have gone in. You should have seen this stuff first. This is what the, uh, the, the negative crowd has been saying is you should have demanded to see this stuff before you gave them your money, but you didn't. You gave them your money without demanding this stuff and you will have nobody to blame but yourselves if it doesn't work out. And they're right. Those negative people are right. As much as they want to start new threads and kick all the negative people out, you can't turn off common sense. You should have seen some stuff before you gave money common sense people goes a long way in the world all right 
So distributors have officially hit up consumers for their Guns N' Roses Collector's Edition payments. Jersey Jack Pinball wants to be paid this week for all 500 machines that were ordered. So does that mean the games are on the line? They still have not confirmed whether or not games are on the line. And so as someone who's in on one, I'm a little I'm a little perturbed that we have to pay in full and we still don't know when we're getting the game. I mean, there has been no official communication. I am not in a million years worried about losing my money. I know I'm going to get the game. It's just a timing thing. You know, for some reason, when it was October 5th, I had no problem saying, yeah, take my 12.5. A lot's gone on. I spent a lot more this holiday than I wanted to. So hitting me up for the 12.5 right now, it's not the best time. I wish if I had a three or four more weeks, I would, I would prefer that, but it is what it is. And I'm really excited to see this game on the line. I do think when the CEs roll off the line, people are going to see the most gorgeous pinball machine in the last year and quite possibly one of the most beautiful pinball machines of all time. And I do mean that. I do mean that. This game is such a work of art. It is unlike anything I've ever stood over. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my fatigue is starting to get the best of me. And I I hope you understand. I mean, some people get mad at me for doing shorter podcasts, but sometimes I just have to listen to my body. And especially now, you know, the doctor didn't say to me, Chris, stay hydrated, get a lot of rest and make sure you do a few more pinball podcasts as you get through this thing. No, that wasn't one of the things he recommended. So I just want to say to everybody out there, and I mean this, and I'm talking to everyone out there, even you people who hate Canada's Pinball Podcast, this thing is here for your entertainment. We love pinball because it's entertaining. We don't need any nastiness anymore. We don't need all this negativity about each other, about fans of pinball, okay? I really do thank each and every one of you for tuning in. It means the world to me. And thank you to so many of you who have voted for this show. So many of you have been reaching out, sharing the screenshots of how you're voting for Canada like three times in a row. It does mean the world to Brenda, myself, and Bubba because we love doing this podcast and we love at the end of the year putting that little twippy up on the shelf because it just means that You know what? Out of all the things going on in the pinball world, the one show that no manufacturer wants to talk to is the most favorite show. I I think that's such a powerful message to send to these manufacturers because here's a little thing that you don't know. They all listen to Canada's Pinball Podcast. Of course they do. You know how many times I say stuff on this show and I hear immediately from the people over at those companies, but again, they'll never do an interview because they can't admit, they can't validate Canada. Anyway, everyone, have a great night. I'm going to go to bed. I'm exhausted. I just wanted to get something up there to let you know why you're not going to be getting as many shows from me over the next couple weeks. Everybody out there, stay healthy. I hope you don't get COVID. It's not fun. It's not a walk in the park and do the best you can to avoid it. But Canada out. So where's all the mad rappers at? It's like a jungle in the habitat. But all you savage cats know that I was strapped with gas when you were cuddling a cabbage patch. Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got something to say. But nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish.